0: Thank you so much for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about Our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I want all the mothers and grandmothers to stand, and let's give them a big thank you. Come on, mothers and grandmothers stand. Come on, give it up. Come on, let them know, keep going, keep going. Thank you. We love you, and uh, today, hopefully, today's message will encourage you. Today's message is entitled, The Faith of a Mother and a Grandmother. And we begin by talking about what a grandmother is. How many of you had a great grandmother? Raise your hand. And, uh, me, was anybody here raised by your grandmother? Raise your hand if you were raised right now, about 3 million children are being raised by their grandmother or grandparents. So here is, what is a grandmother by a third grader? Remember, this is not pastor Jacob's words. This is a third grader. A grandmother is a lady who has no children of her own. <laughs> she likes other people's little girls and boys. A grandfather is a man grandmother. (laughs) He goes for walks with boys and they talk about fishing and stuff like that. Grandmothers don't have anything to do except be there. (laughs) They're old so they shouldn't play hard or run. (laughs) It's enough that they drive us to the mall and to the store and that they always have money when we're ready. Or if they take us for walks, they should slow down and see pretty things like leaves and caterpillars. They should never say, hurry up. Usually grandmothers are fat. Okay, (laughs) this is a third grader, okay? This is not me. Usually grandmothers are fat. Okay, but not too fat to tie your shoes. They wear glasses and funny underwear. (laughs) They can take their teeth and gums out too. (laughs) Grandmothers don't have to be smart. They only have to answer questions like, why isn't God married? And how come dogs chase cats? Grandmothers don't talk baby talk like visitors do because it's hard to understand. And when they read to us, they don't skip. Or even mind reading the same story over and over again. Everybody should try to have a grandmother, especially if you don't have a television. (laughs) Because they're the only grown-ups who always have time for you. For all the grandmothers. Now, you have to be probably 45 years old to know who I'm going to talk about right now, but it's so priceless. How many of you remember Irma Bombeck? Raise your hand. Okay, the rest of you, I'm sorry. Okay, your loss. Here is her tribute to her mother. When the Lord was creating mothers, he was into the sixth day of overtime when the angel appeared and said, you're doing a lot of fiddling around with this one. And the Lord said, have you read the specs on this order? She has to be completely washable and not have plastic. Have over 180 movable parts, all replaceable. She must be able to run on black coffee and leftovers. She has a lap that disappears when she stands up and a kiss that can cure anything from a broken leg to a broken heart. And six pairs of hands, the angel shook his head slowly and said, six pairs of hands? No way. It's not the hands that are causing me the problems. The Lord said, it's the three pairs of eyes that mothers have to have. That's on the standard model, the angel said. Yeah, the Lord nodded. One pair that sees through closed doors when she asks, what are you kids doing in there? When she already knows. Another pair on the back of her head that sees what she shouldn't but what she knows she has to. And of course, the ones in front that can look at a child when they goof up and say, I understand and I love you without so much as uttering a word. I can quit now. Already I have one that heals herself when she's sick, can feed a family of six on one pound of hamburger and can get a nine-year-old to even take a shower. The angels circle the model of the mother very slowly. It's too soft, the angel said. But tough, the Lord said. You can't imagine what this mother can do or endure. Can it think, the angel said. Not only can it think, it can reason and compromise and even dream, said the Lord. Finally, the angel bent over and ran her finger across the cheek. There's a leak, the angel pronounced. I told you, God, that you were putting too much in this model. It's not a leak, the Lord said. It's a tear. What's it for? The angel said. It's for joy, sadness, disappointment, pain, loneliness, and even pride. You're a genius, said the angel. So God was finished making a mother. No success in life, not being president or wealthy or going to college or writing a book or anything else comes close to the success of a man or a woman who can feel they have done their duty and that their children and grandchildren will one day rise up and call them blessed. Theodore Roosevelt, president of the United States, 1917. There is no greater job no greater responsibility and no greater expectation put on a human being than is put upon a mother and a grandmother. So today, I want to speak to you about the unfailing faith of a mother and a grandmother, starting with someone who was raised by his mother and grandmother. Second Timothy 1: six. From Paul, an apostle of Jesus, the Messiah, appointed by God's pleasure to announce the wonderful promise of life found in Jesus, the anointed Messiah. My beloved son, I pray for a greater release of God's grace, love, and total well-being to flow through your life from God, our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. You know that I've been called to serve the God of my fathers with a clean conscience. And night and day, I pray constantly for you, building a memorial for you with my prayers. And I know that you have wept for me, your spiritual father, and your tears are dear to me. I can't wait to see you again. I'm filled with joy. Now stay with me. As I think of your strong faith that was passed down through your family line, it began with your grandmother, Lois, who passed it on to your dear mother, Eunice. And it's clear that you too are following in the footsteps of their godly example. It's been said that behind every great man is a great woman and a surprised mother-in-law. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> but in Timothy's life, there wasn't one woman. There was two women becoming a man of God, becoming someone who would have books in the Bible written to him like 1st and 2nd Timothy and becoming a spiritual son to the greatest apostle in the Bible, the apostle Paul, who would write over half of the New Testament most of it while in prison, Timothy became his spiritual son. It wasn't easy. Timothy in the eyes of the world around him was a half-breed. His mother was Jewish. The call of God for the Jews was to always marry in your Jewish heritage in the 12 tribes of Israel. But instead, she stepped out of a religious culture and obedience even to God's word and married someone who was a Greek, what the Jews called Gentiles. That was anybody that wasn't a Jew. And Timothy was born from that relationship. So growing up, The Jews despised him because he'd watered down his heritage. The Gentiles didn't accept him because he was Jewish. Maybe you know someone who came from a culture like that. Maybe mom was black, the dad was white, or vice versa, and it became difficult for either of them to identify. Well, when you add the religious connotations to that, you can imagine how difficult it would have been. It's the akin of someone who was Muslim becoming Christian or vice versa. It was there under those circumstances that Timothy was born in a city called Lystra. Many theologians actually believed that it was Lois and Eunice that once Paul was beaten and left for dead for preaching the gospel, that they nursed him back to life. And that's where he first could have encountered Timothy. Regardless of how it all happened, One thing is very true. It wasn't easy to become a spiritual son to the Apostle Paul. Here's the first thing that he had to do to become a spiritual son to Paul. Acts 16 verse 1 says, Paul and Silas came to the city of Derbe, and there on to Lystra, the hometown of a believer named Timothy. His mother was a follower, a Jewish follower of Jesus, but his father was not a Jew. Timothy was well known and hired respected among the believers there in Listeria and in Iconium. Paul recognized God's favor on Timothy's life and wanted him to accompany him in the ministry. Okay, so now what was his misery, being a half-breed, now became his ministry because Paul was now going to go and bring the gospel not just to the Jews, but to the rest of the Gentile world. And now, here's what he tells him he has to do. So Paul recognized God's favor on Timothy's life and wanted him to accompany him in ministry. But Paul had Timothy. Come on, men. He had him what? There is a reason why infants are circumcised. Because no adult man would ever agree to it. And all the men said? Or ouch. Just whichever one you want to say. Imagine your step into the call of God being you had to, as an adult male, be circumcised. That's what had to happen to Timothy for him to fulfill the call of God on his life. All of this spiritual heritage comes from a mother and a godly grandmother. Each of them gave him four things that I want to share with you today. What did Eunice and Lois give him? Number one, they gave him a godly example. 2 Timothy 1.5 says, As I think of your strong faith that was passed down through your family line, it began with your grandmother Lois who passed it on to your dear mother Eunice and it's clear that you are following in their example too. Now, when I married Michelle 39 years and 104 days ago, I'm counting in case you didn't know. Well, when I married her, my, my pastor, who raised me from the time I was 14 years old, he said to me, he said, Jacob, he said, I'm going to tell you something, son, about Cajuns you need to know. I said, yes, sir. He said, number one, they're very closest as families. Okay? Mom and them. Daddy and them. My cousins and them. Bill Platt. Do I need to say anything else? And so he said, they're very, very close. Now, my wife lived here. Her grandmother lived next door. Her other grandparents lived across the street. Her brother moved across over right. My brother-in-law, David, over here, he lived three, uh, three blocks away. I live on the other side of town. Just thought I'd share that with you. <laughs> and he said, they're very close. And he said, I'm going to tell you something. They like hot food. And they get hot tempered. And he said, When they argue as a family, stay out of it. They'll always forgive one another, but if you put yourself in the middle of it, they'll never forgive you. Am I right yet? And that was probably one of the best pieces of advice he ever gave me. Think of the things that families fight over. In the case of Lois and Eunice, her daughter, one day she came in having a godly mama raised in Hebrew heritage, a Jew, and brought a Greek boy to the house. Mama, this is Julio. (laughs) You, You can see her face as she walked out. And when Julio walked out, she looked and said, If you think that you're gonna bring that Greek boy into this house, this is a Hebrew house, we honor Yahweh, Jehovah God. And there ain't any Greek boy gonna be raising my children and grandchildren. And let me, if you think we're gonna sit around and eat hummus all of your life, you got another thing coming. <laughs> but still. Her daughter insisted on marrying something, someone who didn't have the same spiritual heritage. Let me just stop a moment. Do you think that might cause a riff in some families for a long time? I I don't know if when you came walking into the house and your wife introduced you, if they thought that you won the lottery or your wife emptied out a jail cell. (laughs) I don't know which one they thought it was, but I could tell you that could separate a family big time. But you know what's so amazing? And and we don't always get the details in the Bible, but it doesn't mince words about the reality. Here's the reality. A mama who was disappointed and a daughter who married out of their faith, it still looked like a nightmare. Little did they know that would be the entrance to their son and grandson being in the Bible. What does that mean? Maybe you're in a second marriage. Maybe you're in a third marriage. Maybe you've walked through heartbreak. Maybe you've walked through disappointment. I am so grateful that our Savior's church is not for perfect people. Somebody came in from vacation one time and said, Pastor, when I was on vacation, I went to Florida and I went to a church and Pastor, it was the perfect church. It was just perfect. You wouldn't believe it. All the people loved each other. The music was wonderful. The greeters were wonderful. The preacher was great. He said, it it, it wasn't none like our church. It was just perfect. And I said, thank you for sharing that with me. I just have one word of encouragement for you. They said, what's that? I said, don't join it, because after you join it, it won't be. (laughs) This is not a palace for the perfect. It's a hospital for the hurting. Everybody here has got issues. There's known issues and unknown issues. But the grace of God and the power of the word of God carry us beyond that. I am so grateful that when I came into the Baudouin family, Miss Michelle's mama Miss Louise, who was my biggest champion, didn't look at me and go. His mother's a barmaid. His daddy's been married five times. His mama two times. Man, she was married to seven times. Man, what? What? Do you think we're bringing that into our family? But they recognized the call of God on my life and recognized that I just didn't need Jesus, but I needed a family with Jesus to help me become who God would call me to be. That's exactly what they did. Listen carefully to me. Maybe, maybe there's disagreements between you and some of your extended family. Don't make that which is temporary. And that's all the mistakes we can make in this life. Be more important than that which is eternal. Hey, if there's a rip between you and mama or your grandmother or somebody, come on. Just say, I'm sorry. Why didn't do nothing wrong? Well, then especially say you're sorry. How's that going to help them? Well, if you do your part, maybe the Holy Spirit can deal with them because he can't even deal with you. How can he speak to them? Well, I know, Pastor, but you don't understand. They're not Christians. I know, but if the Holy Spirit can't speak to a Christian, how do you expect him to speak to a non-Christian? This is a whole lot better than y'all are reacting. I'm going to tell you that right now. These women were willing to walk through that, to give them something, their grandson and son, something that was eternal. This, this grandmother and mama gave him four little simple things. This is only important one. Number one, they gave him faith. The faith was able to bridge the gap of their disagreement. The, it was able to uh, of their disappointments with each other. They gave Timothy some fire. Because you know, Eunice had to be somebody to bow up to her mama and go, I don't care what you say, I'm still marrying that Greek kid. He's the coolest guy in my school. There was a fire in her. How many of you grew up with a little fire? Come on. It's amazing how the stubbornness that's in us I had it. Many of you here have had it. Some of you still have a lot of it. When God takes that and he breaks it and he reshapes it, then what used to be defiance against God becomes a backbone for God. He he received faith. He received fire. Listen, here's the third. He received some fearlessness. I'm going to tell you this. Bible college, all that's kind of tough. we got some guys. Dr. Scott has two PhDs over at Midtown, and we got some really smart people. Pastor Chris won a Super Bowl ring that actually I own now. (laughs) Would you just confess in front of these people that it's my ring? Everyone heard that. I want it delivered tonight. (laughs) There's a lot of guys that have accomplished a lot of things, but I'm going to tell you something. To surrender to God and the first step be to your call to be circumcised? I'm like, I think I'm going to the bayou. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm going back to Holy Cross. (laughs) I mean, they're a whole lot nicer over there than you are over here. I'm going to say something that's really, really important I want you to hear. Do you know the faith it took for that mother and grandmother who had invested their best in that boy to have someone who was not their daddy take a knife and cut on him. Some of the greatest trust that's ever been entrusted to me as a pastor is when mothers and grandmothers have brought their children, sometimes grown adult children, and said, Pastor, help them. Speak the truth to them. It might hurt, I remember when I got in trouble at school, sixth grade, I stole all the teacher's editions and all the athletic equipment from the classroom. They found out it was me. So my hair was about down to here. So my father felt like the punishment that I should get is, A, I should get a haircut. So he took me to Barber College. Barber College is when they get through practicing on cats and poodles. Okay, they then move up to Mexicans. And that was me. So I went from having hair down here. I was just so cool. I was like, took about three minutes for my hair to fall down. How many of you remember when you had some hair swag? Come on. How many of you remember when you had some hair swag? I'll show pictures of your mullet. Don't lie. And, and, And my dad literally took me to barber college. They cut my hair. It was much, much shorter than it is right now. And then he marched me up to the front of the classroom. He asked the teacher if he could paddle me in front of the whole class. Thank the Lord, Mr. Woodruff didn't allow him to do that, but he did spank me in in the hallway. Okay, I had to return everything. I hated it when my daddy came to school. When my mother came to school, I loved it. You know what my mother would do? She would fight the teacher. Oh, she would fight the teacher. Oh, you gonna mess with my baby? Oh, no. No. I'm tired. Brown lives matter. I mean, this was like, (laughs) seriously, my mother would fight the teacher. How many had a mama like that? I'm sorry. But I can tell you, look at me, to allow someone to speak truth to people that you love and cut on them with this book right here. And for you to trust God versus your emotions. Listen. Only a man can show a boy how to be a man. Only a man can show a boy how to be a man. The best mama in the whole world is not a daddy. And the best daddy in the whole world is not a mama. I remember the day, my spiritual father who's going to be here tomorrow, looked at me. I was 14 years old. He said, tell your mama if she'll sign papers, you can move with me to Central Texas from Houston. I'm moving. I I, I remember going to my mama's bar that Sunday afternoon after church. I said, Pastor Keith is moving. and He said, if you sign papers, I can go. She said, bring the papers. I remember her walking out when he came to give me hot pants, go-go boots on, a low-cut top, and a pistol shoved right down here. True story. And her hugging him and saying, thank you for loving my boy. She let another man of God cut on me so I could be the man God wanted me to be. And then finally to get over the failure of Eunice's past, of the mistakes that she'd made. I am so grateful that as a child of God, failure is never final in Christ. It doesn't matter what you've done. You might not be proud of it. We might all be, all of it. I am so grateful. Some of you need to hear that. There's some of you here that came to church today because your wife invited you to as a Mother's Day present. Your children, so some children here because that's what your mother wanted. Thank you for coming. Thank you for honoring your mama by coming. As a matter of fact, do you know that there's the three biggest days in church are? Easter, Christmas, and you know why? Because mamas always have a heart for God. That's why. The next thing she gave him was the word of God. Listen to what 2 Timothy 3.15 says. Now, from your infancy, Timothy, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise in salvation through Jesus Christ. She wasn't just singing normal lullabies. She was teaching him, even as a young baby. If her mama was working, Lois had that baby, and she was teaching that baby the Word of God. I've walked with people for many, many years. Tomorrow, I'm going to do something that's very sad right here. Preach a funeral for a 37 year old young man, 38, that OD'd. I've known him since he was born. Part of his family is named after me. But look at me. I know the seed of the Word of God that was sown in that boy's heart. I know the seed. When you plant the seed of the word of God, it might take a year, it might take 10 years, it might take 20 years, it might take 30 years, but the Bible declares that this word will not return void. It won't. She gave him the word of God. The word of God was sown in his heart. The word of God was settled in his heart and the word of God stood in his heart to such a degree that one day books would be named after him. She gave him family. Said, your daddy might not be a man of God, but I'm gonna find somebody to show you how to be a man of God. I'm gonna plant you in the house of God. How many of you were raised in church? Raise your hand. Some church, you was going to church somewhere. How many of your family, you were going to church somewhere? How many of you ever got drugged to church by your grandmother? How many remember old school church? Okay, they didn't have these cushions you on right now. Oh, pews. Some of you still got splinters in your behind from those pews. How many of you remember old school children's church? They didn't have children's church back here like we do where kids go back to singing and dancing and all these cool verses and stuff. It was like you sat in church next to your grandmother and your mother. You know what children's church was? When you got out of line, they reached over and pinched you. How many of you ever been pinched in church? The pinch wasn't bad, it was the turn. It, when, when she hit that turn, it was like your sciatic nerve went from the top of your head all the way through. How many remember that? You know, sometimes we can look back on that, but let me remind you, just like you get up and you go to school, it's the difference between this generation and the generation that's gone before us. I meet parents all the time. Look at me. I love you. I love you. But you need to hear this. Well, where are your children? Oh, they don't feel like coming to church. Well, did they feel like going to school on Monday? One will help them get into heaven. The other one might help them get into UL. Which one do you think is the priority? People go, well, I just don't want them to reject it. If I shove it down their throat, well, did you ever make them eat when they didn't want to growing up? Did they get over that fear? It's not my responsibility to make sure my children always obey the word of God, but it is my responsibility to make sure that they're under the word of God, they hear the word of God, and that the word of God is (laughs) sown into their hearts. And so there are mamas like that. She was like that. The word was going. You were going to go to youth group. You were going to go to children's church. You were going to hear the word of God. You were going to go to church. Lastly, she gave him love. How many of you know there's nothing like a mother's love? This could never be demonstrated any more than the story, the true story of Solomon Rosenberg, whose family was taken to the concentration camps in Nazi Germany in World War II. Each day, Solomon Rosenberg, his wife, and his two sons, Joshua and David, were taken to the labor camps to work. The rules were simple. As long as you could work, you would live. The moment you were too weak to work, they would take you by the hand, and when others went to work, they would take you to the gas chambers. Each day at the end of work, Solomon Rosenberg would run into the barracks where his wife and his two children were. One day after work, he came to the place they normally met, and he couldn't find his son. Or his wife finally he began searching barracks after barracks until he found his oldest son Joshua crying in a corner where's your mother he asked David was too weak to go to work today so after you left they came to get him to take him away mama saw them taking him by the hand and he was afraid and he was crying. She ran up to his side and she took him by the hand and she said, you don't have to be afraid, baby. Mama's gone with you. Such is the love of a mother. She went with you to school on your first day of kindergarten, to your first doctor's visits and dentist, to your teachers and principals meeting, to your first dance, pictures of first grade all the way to the prom. Her heart followed you whether you went to college or to jail, to church or to a party, to a schoolroom or to a barroom. And she might not be holding your hand, but she has followed you holding your heart. Today, we want to honor mothers and grandmothers. How many of you have mothers that have gone on to be with the Lord? Raise your hand. How many of you have grandmothers that have gone on to be with the Lord? Listen to me. They can still live, their faith can still live. share it with your children. Take this day to share it with your children, share it with your grandchildren. I can't tell you how many 50, 60 year olds I've counseled in my lifetime that that their parents have long since gone and grandparents long since gone would look at me and go, Pastor, my mama always used to tell me, turn to Jesus, baby. He'll always be there for you. My mama always used to tell me, no matter where you go, my prayers are following you. They're moms and grandmothers weren't there to hear it, but their prayers were still being answered nonetheless. How many of you wish that you had another Sunday afternoon meal with your mother or grandmother on Mother's Day? Raise your hand. Then share the treasures they shared with you, with your children and your grandchildren. And then there's those of you who still have your mothers and your grandmothers. Honor them. Sure, they've done stupid things. So have you. And let me encourage you, you'll still do more stupid things in the future. Gratitude is not that we don't remember anything wrong that was done. It's just that we're thankful for the good that God gave us through them. Maybe this poem would say it best. If you have a kiss for mama, give it now. If you have a gift for mama, give it now. If there are words you should have said, it will not matter when she's dead. If you have a rose for mama, give it now. For when she's gone away, she will not see your grand bouquet. If you have a gift for mama, give it now. If you've thought of times you've missed, her gentle hug, her little kiss. If you have a kiss for mama, give it now. For on that last and final day, when she has finally gone away, there will not be another day. What you might do, what you might say. So if you have a gift for mama, give it now. For you will cry when she is gone. You'll miss her touch. You'll miss her song. It may not be so very long. So if you have a hug, a kiss, a word, a gift, give it now. Father, today, we treasure the amazing mothers and grandmothers, the modern-day Lois and Eunices, who sometimes, in spite of their circumstances, situation, or even people they married, to pass on a living faith, powerful and strong. Today, we honor mothers who stayed up late at night helping us with our schoolwork, and then washed the dishes and then put our school clothes in the washer and then stayed up long enough to pull them out of the dryer and then made our lunches, set out money for us to make sure that we were okay. Never, ever, ever considering themselves first. Today we treasure them. God, when you send a gift of your love to us, you don't send it via UPS or you don't write it in the sky. You wrap it in flesh and blood. And then you give it to us. And for most of us, it was named Mama. Mama. Today, it was a grandmother. Thank you. We honor them and we thank you for the gift that they've been from you and your heart to us and to ours. And now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you the most important question of your life. It's one that your mother and grandmother would have as the most important question. That you would answer correctly have you been born again some people use the term saved jesus said unless a man or woman is born again they wouldn't see the kingdom of heaven you see the moment you're born again is when your spiritual journey begins you say pastor i've been christened i've been baptized i've joined the church isn't that good enough that's a great start But when Jesus looked at a very religious man named Nicodemus, he said, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of heaven. Unless you're born again, you can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. Listen carefully to me. The prayer of your grandmother, the prayer of your mother that's yet to be answered if you haven't said yes is, have you been born again? Then you become spiritually alive. Come into a relationship with God. Your sins are forgiven. And as you surrender to Him, your life begins to transform into what He created you to be. Allah. My birthday is June the seventeenth, but my spiritual birthday is the week before Easter, nineteen seventy-one, when I prayed with an African American counselor in a junior high school. That day, I was born again. Have you been born again? Why not answer your mother and grandmother's prayers today by surrendering to Jesus and being born again today? Just a moment. If you want to begin your spiritual journey, come into a relationship with God and know him. I'm going to pray for you to be born again. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you if that's you and your desire to raise your hand real high, and then put it back down quickly. I'm the only one that's gonna be looking. By doing that, you're simply saying, Pastor, today I wanna begin my spiritual journey. I have believed in God, I have believed in Jesus all my life, but I've never been born again. I've never surrendered wholly and totally to him. That's what I wanna do today. That's what raising your hand will be saying. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to do that. One, God brought you here. Yes, someone invited you. It was God that brought you here. He's been working all of your life leading up to this moment. Two, nothing is ever an accident. Nothing. Nothing. Some of you weren't even supposed to be here today. Work changed, plans changed, and God orchestrated for you to be here at this moment. Today is your day to be born again. If that's you, raise your hand. Three, raise your hand high. All across this building. One, two, three, four, five. Keep it high. six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen 10, 11, 12, 13. High. Anywhere else? 14, 15, 16. Put your hands down. Last 30 seconds, pastor. I didn't raise my hand with these 16, but I should have. My heart's about to beat out of my chest. I know this is what I need. I know. I know my mom's been praying for me. I know my grandmother's been praying for me. I know this is what God wants. I need a relationship with God. I need a new beginning. If you didn't raise your hand, but you should have, raise it and wave it at me right now. Join these 16, 17, 18, anywhere else. 19. All right. Church, let's pray out loud. All of those of you that raised your hand, we're going to pray out loud with you this prayer to begin your spiritual journey in answering the prayers of your mother and grandmother today. Let's pray out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe it on the cross. You took my guilt, my sin, and my shame, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Today, God is my Father, Jesus is my Savior, and I'm born again in Jesus' name, amen.